going on, everybody? It is your boy, Andres, and we're back with another episode. This is a special episode, episode 4.5, and today with my co-host, Eric. How you doing, sir? Doing pretty good. Happy about the game last night. It was exactly what I was hoping for. Yes, sir. And a special guest, Mr. Cam. How you doing, bro? How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. Nice to have you on the show. <laughs> In few words, the Buccaneers pretty much mollywhopped the Chiefs. They beat them 31-9. to Tom Brady had 201 yards, three touchdowns. Mahomes had 270 yards and two interceptions. Gronk had 67 yards, two touchdowns, and Fournette added a touchdown as well. And Devin White had 12 tackles. So, Cam, let me start with you since you're an invited guest. What do you think the Bucs did right last night? Oh, just constant pressure. Um, we haven't really seen that throughout their, their matchups this year. Um, I'm saying the Chiefs, where a team can just apply that pressure and then not only apply the pressure, but keep the coverage going um, while Pat Mahomes scrambles. I think at the start of the game, I was getting a little nervous, Pat getting out of the pocket, making a couple throws. But I think the deciding factor was the coverage, you know, closing down when, uh, when it really mattered. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, when the when it's funny because the opening drive was crazy. Um, after the after the coin landed on tails, I don't know if you guys saw all the all the gambling addicts on Twitter saying they should redo the coin toss and all that. Yeah, they're like, like, no, that flip was bad. How is that a good flip? He did it wrong. And yeah. uh, McAfee, he bet thirty thousand dollars on it being tails, and he lost, bro. They are that was problems. that was insane. I feel like um, a lot of people knew that Mahomes had two O linemen out. And they still like saying that they, he was going to get it done. So, Eric, what do you think went wrong for the Chiefs in this one? I think it, for sure, like Cam said, it starts like the pressure that they kept getting on Mahomes. It felt like every single play he was running like five yards, 10 yards backwards because he couldn't get, he had no time in the pocket. So, I'd say the game was really won in the trenches for the uh, Bucks because even on the offensive line side for the Bucks, it felt like Brady didn't really have that much pressure and he had time in the pocket. Typically he was making good reads. He was finding it. So if I had to look at two specific like areas, I would look at like the trenches for the Bucks and then Bucks linebackers, Levante David and uh, Devin White, they both showed up in a big way. Devin White, probably the best defensive player in the entire game. I, you said he had 12 tackles. He had an interception. He had a couple tackles for loss. I think, so I think I think the defensive impact that the Bucks made early on by just forcing Mahomes in awkward situations where he had no time, I think that was pretty much what started. And the whole time, because me and Cam watched the game together, and typically when you watch the Chiefs, they'll go down early in the game sometimes, but they always have a quick run where they score three touchdowns in the span of seven minutes, and then all of a sudden it's a completely different game. So we just were waiting for that to happen. When are they going to do that? When are they going to do this? And it just never happened because the Bucks didn't let up at all. They just kept going and going and going. And they got better throughout the game. And another thing is, I don't think Mahomes played a bad game. I don't think you can really point to him and say he was bad. Because, really? You don't think so? No, because, I mean, he made some bad reads at times. But there were times where he had no time in the pocket, like I said. And he would hit dudes straight in the hands. And they would completely drop it. Like, literally on that one he made where he was parallel with the ground and made a perfect throw to the end zone, it bounced off his the receiver's helmet. Like, what is he supposed to do in that scenario? Like, he did all he could. He just wasn't getting the help he needed. And I think – and, sure, you could say, well, this is finally how it looks when he doesn't have help. That's what I saw a lot of people talking about. Oh, this is what Watson has to deal with every game. I'm sorry. I, Watson still isn't getting 
pushed back 15 yards every play, running for his life on every single play. And we still had a couple good receivers that were catching passes. His receivers, the only one that seemed like, like he caught most of them was Kelsey because that was his main target. He had, I think, like 117 yards or something. That was the only player who seemed like he really stepped up in the receiving core. I I feel like the the problem is the problem isn't with Mahomes having a good or a bad game. The problem is they call him like the Messiah. They call him the higher to the throne. They call him the chosen one. He was supposed to be Anakin Skywalker. Like he was supposed to get it done. He was supposed to go into um Tampa and get it done. And a lot of people knew that they, he didn't have two of his old linemen, and they were like, you know what? No, he's going to get it done. He's going to put up 30-plus. Like, a lot of people had their uh, – I mean, hell, the Chiefs were the favorites going into the game. The Bucs literally had a home game, quote-unquote. Not even quote-unquote because it was a home game for them, and they were literally betting on the Chiefs. Um, Cam, do you think Mahomes did enough this game to win, or do you think that um, things didn't go his way and um, he deserved to lose? Yeah, I'm going to have to side with Eric on this one. I think Mahomes did a solid job, that being an understatement, kind of. He made those plays. Um, what it boiled down to is the the receivers not making the the huge, massive plays that we've seen all throughout earlier this year and all last year. Um, you look at the game um, they had in Week 12 matchup, um, Tyreek Hill had 221 yards in the, the first half, uh, the first quarter, actually. So going from that to, to the drop passes, hitting – receivers in the hands, I, I think it uh, has a lot more to say for the, the receiving core than Pat. Do, do you guys feel like Mahomes was nervous? I feel like he was nervous, like, the whole game. Like, even when they were up 3-0 after that initial field goal, I still feel like he was, like, digging, digging, and, like, he was, like, shook at one point. I think, I think he was, like, I think anyone's going to be kind of nervous in the big game. The only player we really see calm in these games typically was, like, Joe Montana and Tom Brady. Which... Did you watch Joe Montana play? No, but I've seen <laughs> – I've seen every single really play down. I had to, bro. I'm sorry. And there's all these stories about, like, Joe Montana being calm on game-winning drives and stuff. And, like, I feel like – so anyone's going to be nervous during it, but I still don't think he, like, panicked, and that's what caused him to make some bad reads or anything. I think it was just, like I said, the team around him didn't play up to the normal level they typically do, and that's why we saw the game get away. I think even last episode with Christian, I called – the final score being 31 to 27, I think. So I got the Bucks score right, but I was way off on the Chiefs. I don't think anyone expected them to not score a single touchdown. That's that's unheard of with Mahomes on the team. There's someone that bet um, $3,000 on the Oh, yeah. Not score a touchdown, and he made 48K, man. That's insane. Honestly, you would think the stat for that or, like, the, the spread for that would be a little bit yeah, more excessive yeah. than just winning 40 yeah, on. Yeah, 15-1, that doesn't even seem, like, as high as I thought it would because who would have really went into thinking he won't score a touchdown? I don't think, I guess, that guy. But other than him, like, I would have thought the odds would be better than 15-1 to 1 for him. But I, uh, Eric, you, you mentioned the team effort. A point we haven't mentioned is defensively. Um, there was a lot of penalties called uh, defensively for the Chiefs. Um, I myself, and I think the commentators as well, noticed that the Chiefs are a team, especially secondary, known for holding a lot and, you know, just playing gritty defense, which in a lot of games wins it. But in, in the instance last night, a lot of penalties were called. Yeah, yeah they, they, looked, they looked undisciplined. It, it was crazy. And I think the ref – or not the ref, Jim Nance, I think, at the ring game, even said after the very first holding call, this is a team that seems to get away with a lot of holding calls. And you saw it instantly that these refs were not letting them get away with it you could sit there and argue maybe one or two of them weren't really holds maybe they didn't do this maybe that 
But if you, but the people going back and blaming the refs for this game and saying, oh, it's so obvious that the NFL won the Bucks win, that's ridiculous. Like, the refs did not cause a 22-point blowout. This was the Bucks just simply being a better team than the Chiefs. And the Chiefs finally got called for their holds that they've done all season, all last season. Yep. And that's where you – it was even funny. You saw the whole thing with, like, Tyron Matthew getting mad and getting in Brady's face, and then Brady didn't back down. Brady ran up to him like – it's just the Bucks weren't taking any anything from they the, were not gonna take no for an answer. No, they were just going back in their face and shoving it down their throat the entire night and it just it, it it was great to see for someone who was cheering for the Bucks and likes Brady, me and Cam were hyped all night. We were loving it. But the, what even shows how good the Chiefs are is there was four minutes left in the game, I think, and it was thirty one to nine. And Cam was still nervous because he knew how good Mahomes is and how Mahomes can just – You just don't feel like the game's never going to end. You never do. Until it's literally zero seconds or you see them in victory formation taking a knee, you're not confident when you're playing the Chiefs. I don't mean to, like, shift topics, but, like, in the – Eric, you and I have talked about this. In the NBA, there's a rule that says don't let the game fall into the referee's hands. So if people watch yesterday's game and think that, oh, sports are rigged, oh, they rigged it for Brady, like, how what does Brady have to do for people to get their hate out of their heart? You know, like after the Falcons come back, I was sitting there in disarray and I was just like, like that's the greatest of all time. You know, when they beat the Rams, I literally felt like zero emotion. Like I would be like pissed off after like the Seahawks yeah. loss and that. But like I felt like no no remorse towards him, you know. So no. after ten Super Bowl appearances, um a lot of us are like twenty one, twenty two, so we've probably seen Brady in um seven yeah, seven we've seen him play in seven Super Bowls. So what exactly does this man have to do for people to get the respect? Because a lot of people were crowning – and that's the problem with Mahomes. A lot of people were crowning him as the greatest of all time. He was going to turn water into wine, all this stuff. And he – I'm not going to say he folded, but he was shaky the first half. You know, and people are like, oh, well, Brady didn't get um, – go comparisons after his first Super Bowl. Yeah, he didn't win his, um, his first MVP until like year six in 2007. And then he made it to, I think, two more Super Bowls that he lost against the Giants. And then the Seahawks game was crazy because they were down by 10, and then the Patriots scored 14 points, and we all know what happened at the end of the game. But football is a team sport. So to credit the defense for shutting down the Falcons' offense in the second half and not crediting Brady getting down the field, whatever. He had the Edelman catch, but then you can also say the, the helmet catch the Giants had and then the other sideline catch in the second um, Giants-Pats game. I forgot the name of that wide receiver, Eric. Um, help me out here. Which one? Giants? Uh, oh. The one who made the crazy helmet catch? No, 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 not the helmet catch. In the second Giants-Patriots um, game, it, it was like the fourth quarter. They were down. The Giants were trailing, and it was like a sideline catch. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But Cam, do you remember his name? Yeah. I, I don't. No, anyway. But, but no, so, it, does luck exist? I mean, I, I don't want to say yes, but, like, it's just crazy that people, like, constantly bash and bash and bash Brady, but, like. Here's the thing. Winning has never – in the NFL, we're talking the NFL here. Winning has never followed a player like it follows Brady. Anywhere he goes – sure, he's been on the Patriots most of his career, but literally they hadn't won a Super Bowl, and then his first year playing, they win the Super Bowl, and they don't look back. They just dominate for the next two decades. Winning follows him more than it has any other player. That's why he has more championships than anyone in history. And for everyone who wants to say, oh, well, Super Bowls aren't everything this – 
me and Cam, we're talking about this one guy who said he was trying to make the argument that Peyton Manning was the greatest quarterback ever over Tom Brady. And the way he started his argument was everyone wants to point out how many Super Bowls Tom Brady has. Let me just start off by saying I don't care how many he has. Okay, well, then what's the point of even talking to you about it? That's a terrible <laughs> way to start off an argument because at the end of the day, winning matters. And, yes, it's a team sport. It shouldn't be the only thing that matters, but it still matters. And Brady has shown up on the big stage. I think – I was looking at the stats. I think Brady in Super Bowls averages 303 passing yards per game, has 21 passing touchdowns, and only six interceptions. On the biggest stage in the Super Bowl, he's playing that well. Like, you can, at some point, stop just hating and appreciate that you're watching the greatest football player ever. And like, I was a great point with the whole team matchup. Yes, it, it boils down to a team game. Uh, so why not respect someone who can go into an organization with great talent but still couldn't win consistently, change the whole culture of the organization, and come out on top first year? Yeah, I, think, I think the funniest thing was that, like, people people were saying, um, I don't care if he wins in Tampa, he's still a system quarterback for his first six rings. So what does he have to do to get your respect? Exactly. And that's the thing. Even Max Kellerman, who said in 2016, Brady, he's about to fall off the cliff. Then in 2017, he was like, it's still coming. He's, he's getting older. He doesn't have time. 2018 came. He still didn't take it back. 2020 came. He said, whenever he was about to sign with the Bucks, he said, should he retire? Yes. Will he? No. Finally, this morning on first take, Max Kellerman admitted he was wrong and that Brady is still on top of the game and doing his thing. Like, finally, some maybe this is what it took. Maybe winning outside of Belichick and outside of the Patriots is what it took for people to finally realize. But, Cam, what was that stat we were even looking at yesterday about – the Bucks have the lowest like win percentage out of the four major sports. And they have two Super Bowls. Yeah, of the four major uh, sporting um, organizations, I guess the Bucks had the lowest winning percentage. Uh, Tom Brady had the highest winning percentage of any player in the four. Um, and you see, one plus one doesn't always equal two. <laughs> it's it's like right when he goes there. Sure, they made a lot of good moves. We're not going to take anything away from all the good moves they made because they did do a good job of building that team. But do they win that championship without Brady? It's hard to say. If you put you can't a, prove hypothetical in sports, so we will never know. You can't, but I'm I'm just throwing this out there. Like I said, winning follows Brady. No matter where he goes, winning follows him, and it will continue to be that way. And I think he did sign a two-year contract with the Bucks, so he has one more year left on his contract. I don't know if, if they have a lot of free agents. Like we're, I don't know if we've talked about it yet, but they have multiple big-name free agents on their team, so their team could look a little different next year. But I don't know what would be stopping them from making it back to the Super Bowl, honestly. Like, I, the only team in the NFC as of right now I could really see stopping them is maybe the Packers or the 49ers. But the 49ers, with all the injuries they have, it's tough to say. It just – it feels like I wouldn't even be surprised if we got another Chiefs-Bucks matchup, honestly. Hopefully the it's the Packers instead. Um, Cam, so mm -hmm. in week 12, um, um, this man Tyreek Hill threw the peace sign and when they were up 17-0. And now Winfield returned the incident. What do you think about that? Yeah, but I guess the first case wasn't a, a case of kicking a man when he was down because the commentators most definitely didn't like it when Winfield did it. But I was all for it. I think it boils down to, you know, competition. Um, you know, nobody likes the winners when they're winning. So I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, Eric was just talking about this. So, the, the free agents they have is Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Sue, Gronk, A.B., Fernet, and Godwin. Godwin said the other day that he's down to give his salary to other players if so be it. 
Um, I feel like that's that's nice a nice like aspect of him because like a lot of athletes after they get paid, you know, they forget like where they come from and like who they are. So I just feel like seeing Godwin like that like reminds me of myself of like being humble and not letting like the money get to you like the million mark. Mm-hmm. I think that's it's a really admirable thing to do. Like he it's it almost shows that he just cares more about winning and like legacy than he does about money, which I I can't necessarily speak. I'm not sitting there with a million dollar or millions dollars of contracts showing up in my face, but it's cool seeing an athlete pick winning and the team over just a big paycheck. And I always love seeing stuff like that. So I've, I've been a big Godwin fan. I think I even said on the last podcast, I picked him for Super Bowl MVP just because I didn't want to go with the typical Brady choice. Looking back, I should have just gone with Brady because <laughs> he did he did his thing. Five He's of them, Brady. man. That's but I, I think I am just partly biased to Chris Godwin because I do like him a lot. So I don't know. This just makes me like him even more. Well, and I was gonna say, um, it's kind. I like to call it the Tom Brady effect even more. If there's one player in the league who's like forfeited money, um, their own personal money for the sake of the team, and just um, building up the ones around them, I think Tom Brady is the best example for that. Uh, so the fact that we see Godwin doing this, um, I think AB didn't definitely didn't take as much as he could have asked for. You know, just wanting to be in this organization and, and learn while they still can. Um, I think it's just going to be great for the team going forward and it'll definitely open up a lot more opportunity for maintaining these free agents and also getting a couple maybe. Yeah, and we also saw Gronk follow uh, Brady to the Bucks. It just seems like players want to play with Tom Brady. That's the thing. Like, players know what he brings to the table. Players know how he is. Players just enjoy playing with the greatest of all time. And anyone – I haven't seen a single NFL player – actually disagree and say he isn't the GOAT. I've seen everyone calling him the greatest of all time. It's not even close to this. But so what is stopping other people from calling him that when the ones playing him are seeing it? Meanwhile, we're seeing kids who watch the games on Sunday on their couch are saying he's not because he the system made him and because he's just – he makes short five-yard like, He plays yeah, it he at, at what point does it stop being luck and it's just how good he actually is? Moving on to our second – topic of this beautiful day the nfl awards um aaron Rodgers won his third mvp derrick henry won offensive player of the year herbert won offensive rookie of the year aaron donald won defensive player of the year and chase young won defensive rookie of the year and lastly alex smith won the comeback award eric let me start with you do you think that aaron donald deserved defensive player of the year i mean there was a lot of controversy on that award and the offensive rookie but I feel like everyone had Rodgers as a log for MVP. So what do you think about Aaron Donald winning Defensive Player of the Year? I – see, I, I think it was clearly – it was between Aaron Donald and T.J. Watt, and I think we saw that. I think three players got votes. I can't remember who the third player was at the moment. But I know Aaron Donald got 27 first-place votes and T.J. Watt got 20. And so it was clearly between them two. You're not going to say it was third, man? Come on, bro. I don't remember who. Do you remember? X, who? man. Come on, bro. Come on. Uh, see, okay, let's be real. He shouldn't have gotten any votes, though. But that's Wow, for sure. come on. Yeah, Dolphins fan that's, over that's here. That's how to talk, man. Come on. Anyway, and <laughs> I think so. If you look at stats, just stats for what they are, TJ Watt deserved it. But then you can go beyond that and look at the impact of like who got doubled, who, who, who caused more game planning from the offense. And that is definitely Aaron Donald. He causes more game planning than anyone in the league. But I think Cam mentioned it. 
whenever like J.J. Watt was winning defensive player of the year and stuff, I think there was one year in between where he didn't win. Well, no one tried using that argument for him as to why he should have won. People just looked at the stats and said, nah, he shouldn't have won. Why is it changed now where people don't give it to T.J. Watt, even though his stats are better? And for the whole doubling argument I hear, T.J. Watt also dropped it back in pass coverage for about 70 – not – for about like 75 plays throughout the season. So that takes away from some of his pass rushing stats because he's not pass rushing on that play. And yet he still put up better stats. So I think, I don't know who I would have even voted for. I think I would have leaned TJ Watt. I don't think Aaron Donald's a bad choice, but I just think we need to be consistent with the points we make about who we think deserves what. As for offensive rookie of the year, I don't really have a problem with Herbert winning. I don't think any of the other ones were really wrong. I think Rogers clearly deserved it. Uh, Derrick Henry clearly deserved it. Justin Herbert. I think Chase Young deserved it. The only one that I saw a couple people arguing about was like the comeback play of the year because some people thought Ben Roethlisberger deserved it. I'm definitely I on the, the Alex Smith side. I the fifth. Yeah, I, I, I think Alex Smith deserved it because I saw that whole documentary about his leg and it looked like it was about to fall off. And the fact that he came back and played six games and went five and one in them, he maybe didn't play amazing, but the fact that he still did that, he has to be the comeback player of the year, in my opinion. But I completely agree. That's how I see um, it. What about you, Cam? Cam so um, yeah, the, actually, the only oh, sorry. No, no, you're good. Um, so there was um, you know, Twitter's a funny place. So someone said that Herbert broke records held by Baker Mayfield, and Justin Jefferson held rec um broke records held by Anquan Bolden. Do you think that Jay Jealous has a good case for Offensive Rookie of the Year, or do you think that Herbert deserved it? I think Justin Jefferson definitely had um, at least deserved to be in the conversation. I think he had 1,400 yards as a rookie. Um, but, like, stats kind of out of it. You you look at the, the offensive play by both of those guys. Um, in my opinion, I think as a wide receiver, it's a little bit more difficult to be as efficient and as dominant um, at the wide receiver position as opposed to the quarterback position, depending on, you know, the, the organization you're in. Um, so when I see those stats, 1,400 yards, I think 11 touchdowns, um, I think that stands out a tad bit more to me uh, than Justin Herbert's year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, like what um, – well, you know what's funny? So, um, I don't know. Does the QB make the wide receiver? Does the wide receiver make the QB? Like, we saw um, Diggs get traded to Buffalo, and Josh Allen had a hell of a year. He, like, he was an MVP candidate and everything. What, what do you think, Eric? Do you think the wide receiver makes the quarterback look good? Did, Josh, did Justin Jefferson make Mr. Kirk Cousins look good? See, as to what Kim said, I do think – it's harder to show your impact. I, if I have to say, I think the quarterback is more important. The quarterback, I don't know if either makes one more, but I'd still lean towards the quarterback being the more impactful and they, sh you can see their impact more. I feel like I, I, I agree with Cam that Justin Jefferson, his stats, the 1400 yards and everything, it was crazy, but it is tough to say, like you said, you, it's always going to be hard for a receiver to show more impact than the quarterback, which is why I was actually excited to see Devontae Smith win Heisman because how often – I think the, wasn't the last one to win a, as a receiver before him, Desmond Howard from Michigan. Like, yeah. you rarely ever see receivers win. And so it's really cool seeing them get the recognition they deserve sometimes. And so I wouldn't have minded Justin Jefferson winning. That, that one's kind of 50-50 to me. I think both deserved it. And this is just going to sound kind of like a lame answer, but Offensive Rookie of the Year isn't an award that matters much to me. I know it matters to a lot of people. I know it matters to those players. But it's not something that I'll sit there and argue a lot about. I think both deserved it, and I would have been fine with either one winning. 100%. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like 
there's a Herbert Tua war going on, so I may be biased, but I feel like um, Jay Jess could have won it. I don't know if he should have won it, but I feel like he could have won it. Um, for our last segment of the day, we have our first trade of the offseason. The Rams traded Mr. Jared Goff, two first-round picks, a third-round pick for Matthew Stafford. Now, Ken, let me start with you. What do you think about that trade? <laughs> um, they must have been watching film from about four or five years ago. Um, we all know Matthew Stafford's a great player, a great competitor, but uh, to trade away two first, that could, I mean, sway an organization two first means so much in the NFL. Trading that way on, on Matt Stafford as well as a third round, I think that's a bit much. Um, but overall, uh, we're going to see this this next year and two. Um, they could prove me wrong, end up in the Super Bowl. So I guess we'll just have to see. Um, Eric, I try to not slander you every episode with your Houston sports, but what does this trade mean for Deshaun Watson? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think it, if we do happen to trade Deshaun, I know the organization still doesn't want to trade him, which, I mean, obviously I'd be happy to keep him, but it feels like we're having another hard situation where a player just wants out and he'll kind of do what he wants to get out. But this is just how Houston sports is. But me and Cam, right when that trade went down, we started texting about, oh, well, then that just ups Watson's value even more. This means we could get this for him. This means we could get this for him. Like, trading two first, Jared Goff, a third, all for Stafford. And Stafford is great, like Cam said, but I think it's safe to say Deshaun Watson has more value considering he's younger and he's a top five quarterback right now. I can't imagine what that means Watson's value would be, but knowing this organization will probably not get what we deserve. We'll probably – just get him for half of what he's worth. So I'm not sure that matters in the long run, but I do think Rams overpaid on this. I don't think it was worth that much at all, but maybe this just shows that they think their overall team is good enough. The only thing they're missing is that quarterback, and they think this could get them over the like hump and get them to the Super Bowl. If that's the case and they do make the Super Bowl and win it, well, then they pretty much proved us all wrong because it was worth it in that case. But that's we'll have to wait and see on that. Cam, do you think this move moves the needle for the Rams, or do you think that they're just going to be the same team? I mean, absolutely. You you looked at the the playoff run that they had, and I think uh, what Sean McVay decided and he said the holding back factor, the, the cap on their team is at the quarterback position. Um, I wouldn't say Jared Co Jared Goff is is a bad quarterback by any means, but when you're dealing with a, a competitor team, you kind of just have to decide, hey, how far are we away from that chip? And I think they wanted to bet go all in on uh, Matthew Stafford and see what he can uh, contribute. But I think if it's anything based on what they've done this year, um, they may just be able to, to edge and have a, a decent playoff run next year. I think, I think the main problem with golf was he was inconsistent. Like whenever I'd watch him, I'd watch him one game and he'd have four turnovers in the first half. And then the next game, he looks like he could be a top 10 quarterback. Like he was just inconsistent. And hopefully I think what they're going for also is, Stafford's ceiling is certainly higher, and I think they're trying to find more consistency and someone who can just – their defense is going to do their thing. They have Aaron Donald, the best defensive player in the league. Their defense is going to keep them in games regardless of what happens on offense. But I think they're trying to find a way to make it to where they're – if they're – like last time we saw some games where their offense would score two touchdowns and they'd lose 17 to 14. If your defense can hold a team to two touchdowns and a field goal or two, like 14, 10 points, and you still lose, that's a huge problem. So having a quarterback who can put up multiple touchdowns a game, lead them to a like an average at least offense, that's going to be a big deal for them. And 
I could see this team making a deep run in the playoffs if they keep their solid, if they keep their core and Matthew Stafford plays like we've seen in the past few years. Yeah, I think Brian Flores coached a masterclass against the Rams this year. I think he coached a masterclass against the Rams in the Super Bowl. So I feel like Stafford is underrated to a certain extent just because of like he had like a 5,000 yard um, season and people are saying, oh, well, he's 31. We just saw a 43 year old go to the Super Bowl and win it. And I'm not comparing Stafford to Brady. I'm just saying that you got to give these guys a shot. You know, like Aaron Rodgers just won MVP at 37 years old. We're seeing what Brady's doing. Drew Brees played until he's 40. Like Stafford being 31 isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like Eric said, obviously Watson holds more value because he's 26 years old or 25. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. And he's a top three quarterback in the league. And yeah. this isn't a part of the segment, but we have to honor uh, Charles Woodson Payne Manning and Calvin Johnson for being named Hall of Famers. Yeah, um, sure. Eric, where do you have Payne Manning all the time? Uh, for me, the top three quarterbacks, and I know you might disagree with your little Aaron Rodgers fandom over there, your little bias. But to me, the top three I am three an objective journalist, man. We are objective journalists here. At yeah, the we'll, Come on now. we'll see. We'll see. I think the top three quarterbacks ever, in my opinion, are – and I don't know the – I have Tom Brady first, and then Joe Montana and – uh, paid Manning are probably second and third. I feel like you could make the argument Dan Reno or Aaron Rodgers are fourth and fifth, but I have paid Manning as a top three quarterback. I remember he played for the Colts, and as a Texans fan, I watched him destroy us every year. I saw him do amazing things. He went to the Broncos, had one of the greatest offensive seasons I've ever seen. I think that 2013 Buc- or Broncos offensive team was insane. I think he has five MVPs. Like It's well-deserved. He's one of the greatest ever. He, it's it's a very deserving thing to make it as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Cam, where do you have Peyton Manning all time? Um, yeah, uh, I'll have to say top three definitely. I think the 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 disparity between one and, and the rest is is getting bigger Night as we speak. Exactly, and then I'd also say the the disparity between maybe the top three, top four, and and the rest is is big as well. So Peyton Manning, you fall somewhere between two and and two and four, I would say. Um, and then anything in between that, I'd, I'd be fine with. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I have him. I had him second, actually. I do have him above Montana and Dan Marino. So I'm not. I'm not biased, man. I'm trying to be objective here. Come on, bro. You, Good. You, that's what you, I like you, to hear. You put me on the spot, bro. Come on, man. That's not nice. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Cam, <laughs> thanks for coming on this bonus episode. Is there anywhere we could follow you on socials? Um, not this time. I'm actually off of social media, but I'll be making a return in about two weeks or, just, or so. You know where to follow Eric on Twitter. You know where to follow me on Twitter for terrible sports opinions and everything else. Thank you guys for listening. This has been episode 4.5 of Sportsfellas Podcast, and we'll see you in the next one. Uh-huh.